Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray, as always, that you are well. It is well with our souls because Christ fills them. And no matter what goes on in the church or outside the church, we belong to him. He is building his church. We need to trust him for all the things he allows on his way to building the church and saving souls. Um, The world has gotten so bad um, and so has the church. Uh, the, the, the church is supposed to uh, infect the world for good. Instead, the world has infected uh, the church for, for ill. Um, but Christ is greater in, in us than he who is in the world, and he's certainly greater in his church and in the Holy Eucharist. So we have faith, we have hope, and we say, Lord, do what you will, do what you need to do, that the most souls will be saved. Uh, And often people do not come to him unless they hit bottom. Maybe they'll be near death or they've lost uh, all their belongings or whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it takes. I know mothers who pray that um, our Lord will bring their wayward sons back no matter what, no matter what it takes, break a leg, do who knows what, but bring them back to God. And so we need to trust our Lord uh, for allowing what he has, including at the moment the restrictions put on the um, on the uh, traditional Latin Mass. Um, I've read and listened to messages by Cardinal Burke and um, Bishop Athanasius Snyder and uh, Cardinal... Uh, Gerhard Mueller, um, Father Gerald Murray, uh, Dr. Robert Royal, just good, good, good people and trustworthy, utterly trustworthy canon lawyers of the church and beautiful men of, of uh, faith and orthodoxy. And so I'm, I'm completely at peace. I'm, I grieve at those bishops that uh, limited, eliminated completely shut down the Latin Mass in their diocese the minute the motu proprio came out. Um, it kind of gave them license to do what their perhaps their hearts wanted to do in any case. So we grieve at that. Um, but God is on his throne. And you know, I thought day after day, I've been talking about this, it's enough, it's enough, it's enough. And uh, we had a beautiful email Last week, I think it was, um, asking if we could go back and teach the catechism, teach the faith, because so many, uh, three generations, really have been lost to the faith, and it's not being taught. Uh, Catholics don't know why they're Catholic, and um, they certainly don't live. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly, and there are not too many Catholics who walk around with faith and joy and knowing and believing that they have life in abundance. Um, So I thought, well, 
um, I was looking through a number of books. Once we started to read um, Bishop Fulton Sheen's Life of Christ, which took him 10 years to write and is magnificent. I think anything he writes or says is magnificent. Then we started with the Catechism Explained, the Catechism of Trent. Um, that is a magnificent book. Magnus, we got it because we were listening to Father Chad Ripiker, who recommends it, and we got it, and it's magnificent. We're studying it here. But it's a little too much for some online, especially those who hadn't really um, known too much of the faith before. So I went through a number of books last night, and um, I found this online. It's called This is the Faith. I We have it. Our furniture, our books, our everything is still in Tulsa. We're waiting for our new house to be completed here. It's a We're reconstructing an old house, and it's going along very well. But I think I mentioned to you we had a little fire in our church, and the, it was the smoke damage that really destroyed the church inside. And so um, we had to stop on the house while that was being done. We're back working on the house again. Um, and we're hoping to be in it by the end of August, beginning of September, but we, we don't know. So if any one of you is listening from Tulsa, we love you, we miss you, and uh, we'll be back for a week or two to, to move all our belongings. Um, but for now, I found online a book that I've never read, but that I know is utterly trustworthy. It's by Canon Francis Ripley. It was initially written in 1951, and it's called This is the Faith, and it's a complete explanation of the Catholic faith, 1951, pre-Vatican II. And um, I see here... um, that it was it was originally published in 1951, but there are minor updates in 2002 to the copy that I've got online. I downloaded it. Uh, we purchased it through Kindle on my on my computer. So I get a little nervous when there are updates made because I love the old books exactly as they are, and uh, sometimes the beauty of the language is updated and it's. It's distressful to me. Uh, Hopefully, doctrine has not been so-called updated, but um, let's read it together. And um, I think I went through a little bit of it last night, and it is totally the Catholic faith, um, but unlike um, uh, some uh, more scholarly books, uh, it's scholarly, perfectly scholarly in its presentation, but it's more simple, has illustrations, stories, which I love that. I absolutely love that. So I'm doing it for me, not you. So there. And we'll read it together. So it's called This is the Faith. <clears throat> and as you know, we we teach or read or go through something the first half hour, and then at the half hour break, the second break, Um, we will take, after that, we have a whole half hour to ourselves to receive anything, calls, text, emails that is on your heart. I'll give you the toll-free number in advance. Uh, It's uh, 1-877-511-5483, and the email is mother at the station singular the station of the cross.com i i love the name i think it's so clever 
we have the stations of the cross, but this is the station of the cross, and it is, and they're faithful, and I'm honored um, to be on the station of the cross, and then live stream through the station of the cross and live site news. So um, we're just happy, happy campers. Um, so it begins with a quote from John chapter 10, verse 16, where our Lord says, And other sheep I have that are not of this fold, them also must I bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. So with that verse, beloved, I pray and ask you to pray that every single soul will be brought into the Catholic Church. There is no salvation outside the church, none. And we must pray. Um, And so whether you are Jewish or Buddhist or any Protestant denomination or atheist, agnostic, uh, Shittite, uh, uh, I don't know, a thousand thousand religions, uh, you need to come home. You need to come home to the full measure of the church our Lord established on on earth for which he died and uh, for which he rose from the dead to give life to all who will come to him. So we're on chapter one right now. And I know I just... uh, caused a whole barrage of questions already by the statement I just made. It's the statement of what the church believes. Um, uh, And so can anyone outside the physical, formal Catholic Church go to heaven? The catechism teaches they can, not that they will, but they can, that whoever, through no fault of their own, this is the big, big clause, Whoever, through no fault of their own, does not believe the Catholic Church, they don't know it's the Church, but they live up to the grace of God they have been given, can be saved, not will, but they can. So why? Because when you live up, there's no one who doesn't function, who doesn't breathe by the grace of God. He reigns on the righteous and the unrighteous. Everyone, nobody would breathe, nobody would be alive apart from his grace. And if we live up to the grace of God we have been given, we can be saved. How? Still through the church. Jesus is the only Savior of the world. Um, St. Peter said in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, there is no name under heaven by which no other, no other name under heaven by which we must, M-U-S-T, be saved, whoever we are. Um. And so if we're living up to the grace of God, when the time comes for our life to end or before then, or God works, excuse me, with us in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform, um, when we're faced with God and with his truth, we will say yes to him if we are, uh, if our hearts are toward him and the grace of God. He won't shut us out, but he's given us free will to shut him out. There's the music for our first break, beloved. I'm going to take care of my hiccups during the break, and we'll see you in a couple of minutes. Don't go away.
Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as the Catholic Current. Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Praise be to Jesus. Hi, this is Joe McLean, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show, joining you on the Station of the Cross each weekday morning at 7 a.m., We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. That's the Catholic Drive Time, weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. We'll see you then. May God love you. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture. Or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustained Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations Thank you for helping to save the culture. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, we are about to begin uh, reading through, little by little, um, Keep the Faith by Canon Ripley. Um, Canon Francis Ripley, written in 1951. And the um, little copy I have here says that there were updates, uh, just a few updates made in 2002. So I mentioned earlier I get a little nervous about updates, but we'll see (laughs) what they are. But it's a little simpler. Um, I love simple things. I love simple things. Um, They help us to understand. And this one has, I looked at it last night, some illustrations and stories in between to uh, illustrate. And I just think that's great for all of us, including myself. And so chapter one, because we must know our faith, beloved, it's time, it's time. We're worried about so many things. And and our Lord said, don't be worried, Martha, about so many things. Mary has chosen the best part. So let's jump into the best part and know our faith. Whatever happens, whatever persecution may come upon us, whatever goes on, mass with everything else, if we know our faith, We can live again in the catacombs if we need to, but we need to know our faith. Even if they burn our books, 
We need to know our faith, beloved. It, it's life. It's life-giving to us. And you need to teach your children. So I even think if your children are around, they could listen with you to this. Watch. It, be, the, it begins about God with a few And those of you who may have had the Baltimore Catechism way back are going to know the answers to these. But your children need to know the answers to these. And I'm going to start with a few questions. It's not a Q&A book, but it begins with this. And I'm going to show you how much you know about your faith. So, who made you? Okay, answer please. And if you're listening with your children, let them answer. Who made you? Who said God made me? You're right. Good for you. Who is God? Who is God? Uh Uh-oh, a little harder. God is the supreme being. What does supreme mean? It means nobody is greater than him. He is the greatest above all things. God is the supreme being who alone exists of himself and is infinite in all perfections. Now, to explain that could take a month. There's nobody higher than him. There's nobody greater than him. If there's anyone greater than God, then they would have made God. But God didn't have a beginning. Nobody made God. Well, how how did he come into existence then? He always was. How could anybody always be? We had to come into existence. Yes, because we're created. God is not. I'm not reading the book. This is just me. God is not created. He always existed. It doesn't make sense to our little finite mind. Everything has a beginning and an end. Everything has a beginning and an end if created by him who has no beginning and no end. So there are things that our little finite, meaning limited minds, cannot understand. I don't know if we'll understand them the other side of heaven, but we can believe them. We can know them. We can know that God is not such a one as us. We can know that. So it says, who is God? God is the supreme being, and he's a being, capital B. He's a being. He is, um, uh, he has life. He has personality. Who alone exists of himself. He alone exists of himself. Did somebody make God? No, no, no. Was he created? No, no, no. Well, how did he come into being? He didn't. He just existed. Well, how could he just exist? He just did. He just, I don't know these things. I don't know that anybody knows these things. But he always, always, if anyone brought God into being, they'd have to be greater than God. There's nobody greater than God. He exists of himself. And he's infinite in all perfections. Infinite is what? It's limitless. There's no end to infinite. Infinite is forever, forever, all eternity. Infinite. No limit. In all his perfections. What are his perfections? They are his, his attributes, his qualities, his eternality, his omniscience, meaning he knows everything, his omnipresence, he's everywhere present, uh, uh, omnipotent, all-powerful. What am I missing here? Um, All-powerful, all-present, omniscient, all-knowing. He's infinite. In everything he is, he's perfect. In everything, he's not less perfect in one thing than another. He's perfect in all things. So who made you? God made me. Who is God? God is the supreme being who alone exists of himself and is infinite in all his perfections. You could take that one sentence and spend a lifetime trying to figure it out. Here's another question. 
Why is God called Almighty? And again, if your children are with you, they could be three years old and up. They can answer these questions. Why is God called Almighty? What does Almighty mean? What does Mighty mean? Mighty is strong, powerful. If he's Almighty, he's all strong. He's all powerful. Nothing's impossible to him. He's called Almighty because he can do all things. With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Matthew chapter 19, 26. With God, all things are possible. Now, is there anything God cannot do? Think about that. Is there anything God cannot do? Do you say no? Think again. Can God sin? Oh, no, he can't. You say, well, he can, but he chooses not to. Oh, no, God cannot sin. Can he tell a lie? No. Um, there is nothing God cannot do. He cannot sin. So to tell a lie is to sin. To do a number of things you may think of is to sin, and God cannot sin. <clears throat> Why is God called the creator of heaven and earth? Why? And I can hear somebody out there say, because he created heaven and earth. Uh, well, why is he called the creator of heaven and earth? He's called the creator of heaven and earth because he made heaven and earth and he made all things out of nothing by his word. Now, I don't know if you've caught on to this, but when we were in Tulsa last year, and uh, we were going through the Baltimore Catechism, um, I, I suggested that when you ask your children these questions, you don't uh, let them just say the answer. Um, uh, in other words, who made you God? Nope, God made me. When you ask the questions, why is God called Almighty? Don't let them say, because he can do all things. That's not a full sentence. Let them repeat the question in the sentence. God is called Almighty because he can do all things. Why is God called the creator of heaven and earth? The answer is not because he, it is, but don't let them do this, because he made heaven and earth. No, God is called, let them repeat the question. God is called the creator of heaven and earth because he made heaven and earth and all things out of nothing by his word. <clears throat> When we repeat, we don't just throw out an answer mid-sentence. When we repeat the question in a full-sentence answer, our brains are absorbing the information, and it makes sense. Did God have a beginning? Now, the answer cannot be yes or no. It has to say, yes, God had a beginning, or no, God did not have a beginning. What do you say? If you said no, he always existed, you're right. God had no beginning. He always was. He is. And he always will be. Can we understand that? No. Next question. We're almost done. Where is God? Where is God? God is where? Well, he's in France. He's in Italy. He's in the United States. He's in my house. He's in the church. Where is he? He's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's omni, meaning all, present. He's everywhere present. 
does God know and see all things? Don't let your child say yes. He needs to say God knows and sees all things. Yes, yes, God knows and sees all things. Let your child repeat the question and the answer and it will make sense to them and they will learn it. God knows and sees all things, even our most secret thoughts. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. I don't want a lot of people to know my secret thoughts, but I have no choice. God knows them whether I want him to or not. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Create in me a pure heart, oh, God. Finally, does God... Oh, no. Uh, There's more than that. Hold on. Um, Does God have a body? Does God have a body? Now, we're not talking about the man, Jesus Christ, the incarnation yet. Just God. God. Apart from the incarnation, does God have a body? If you said no, you would not get an A+. You'd have to say no, good God does not. Well, if you said no, God does not have a body, you'd get an A. If you said God does not have a body, he's a spirit, you'd get an A+. God does not have a body. He has no body. God is a spirit. Okay. Is there only one God? If you say, sure, yeah. No, no, Mark. Yes, there is only one God. Is there only one God? Yes, there is only one God. Well, now just a minute. There's the Father. God is called the Father. God is called the Spirit. God is called the Son. What are you talking about? That's three. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's three that are called God. And yet, the scriptures say there's only one God. So how could there, is it one or three? Make up your mind. It's three in one. God is a compound unity, so to speak. So, if, uh, if we go to the Hebrew verse, which the Jewish people know and chant every Sabbath and throughout the year, Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. The Lord our God is one God. In Hebrew, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Echad is the word for one. But it is a compound one. Adonai Echad, the Lord, Adonai, is one. Echad. In English, you could spell it E-C-H-O-D. Echad. It means one. Um, Oh, dear. I want to finish this when we come back. But when we come back, or we'll start on this tomorrow, and I'll finish the little illustration of of what's called the Shema. the the prayer of the Jewish heart and ours and ours we know that God is one but we know now that he is a compound one that he is three in one not three gods in one three persons in one God little complicated I know we'll go to our break now we'll take your calls if you have them anything on your heart text and emails when we return 1-877-511-5483 and we'll be right back 
The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. My name is Nathan Wigfield, Executive Director of the St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center in Cranberry, Pennsylvania, with the mission of praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours. Our goal is to help people experience the Liturgy of the Hours and discover the prayer that will change their life. The Catholic Church teaches us that the Liturgy of the Hours is the prayer that Christ Himself, together with His body, addresses to the Father and that its purpose is to sanctify each day in the whole range of human activity. That means every time we pray this prayer, our relationship with Christ is deepened, we are united to the faithful of every time and place, and our entire day and work are made holy unto the Lord. To learn more about the prayer of the Church, please visit liturgyofthehours.org or call our retreat center at 814 676 1910. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our full half hour together, and I'm, I love this time, what we can talk and communicate and um, strengthen each other uh, by the questions we have and by the lives that we are called to live. So once again, the toll-free number is one 511 5483 or... Uh, email at mother at the, sa- the station of the cross.com. We have an email from someone who writes in anonymously. Excuse me, and says, What is your view of the system of Episc- Episcopal conferences in the church? Do you think it could be worthwhile to change this system or remove it altogether? I'm not. Uh, able or qualified to answer that question, dear one. Number one, I don't know what the system is. Um, I don't know that there's a specific system of how often the conferences are called, uh, if if there's a uh, rule on how often they get together, all of that. Um, my view, so I have no view of the system. I, I'm not knowledgeable about that. But um, when I think of Episcopal conferences, I think of um, hundreds of bishops meeting throughout the world, Um, my heart sinks some 
because the last few have been quite detrimental to our faith. Um, the Conference on the Family and on other things. And so uh, it's almost been a war with the church. And so I, I, um, uh, I, I have no positive view on them. And that is uh, not necessarily because of the system. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not necessarily because of the system, which I don't really know. Um, but uh, it seems that the Holy Father could call a conference whenever he wishes, so I don't know that. But um, it's, I dread the thought of it because of the state of the church, because of the lack of faith, because of the apostasy in the church, including by many of the hierarchy. So when I hear Episcopal Conference, my heart shrinks um, because I, um, good does not come out of them. Uh, for the most part, it has not in recent years. So that's all I could say to you. I, I think um, individually uh, our shepherds need to come back to the faith and not compromise and encourage one another to love and good works. And then a conference might do uh, good. Um, I'm not saying they're all bad. I don't know one within my lifetime that has come out good, that and, and I don't know all of them, and I don't know the outcome of all of them, but um, I'm not aware of one that has done, uh, not since I'm Catholic for sure, which is only 1995, but even uh, I don't know that there's a good one. Uh, uh, I won't even say in my lifetime because that goes back too far. <laughs> I'm 150 now, so no, no. But I, I, I can't answer you. Uh, beyond that, I'd have to actually look into the Episcopal conferences, see if they have a a, um, a charter or constitutions, and and see what that's about. We have an email from Monica. Hold on a moment, beloved. I have a little button here, so when I clear my throat or cough, I could press it, and I don't cough at you or clear my throat over the microphone. But you probably hear something on your end. I don't know what it is, but it's better than my cough, I think. So if you hear a little button or silencing, that's why. I don't want to clear my throat over the ear. Okay, Monica writes, Dear Mother, I recently began listening to and watching your program on YouTube. I believe the Lord has led me to you for strong, faithful guidance. So thank you for answering God's call to help others on their journey home. Blessed be God, Monica. Thank you. Let me begin, she says, by saying that I returned to the church two years ago after walking away 40 years ago. Blessed, 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 blessed be God, Monica. Blessed be God. Welcome home. She writes, I'm a cradle Catholic and went to Catholic schools, elementary and part of high school. But my parents did not instill Catholic values at home. So I cannot say I was raised Catholic. Listen up to this, dear parents. Listen up. You can send your child to Catholic schools. Sometimes it'll do them good. Sometimes it'll destroy their faith. If a school has the title Catholic, but it is not 100% Catholic in its teachers and its teaching, you will do more harm than good in sending them there because they'll think wrongly so that they had a Catholic education. And then when they get to high school or college, they'll walk away from the faith, a faith they never knew or had. 
um, Monica writes, um, I am grateful that my parents sent me to Catholic schools, but it has caused so much pain and destruction of my life because we did not live out our faith at home. So there's point two, beloved. Dear parents, if you send them to a Catholic school, which is a good Catholic school, and you don't live the faith out at home, what are you telling them? Let the world raise you, not us. We don't believe what we say. We don't believe what we send you to. It's terrible. If the faith is not lived at home, it will not be lived. It will not be caught. It needs to be, you've heard the expression, caught and not taught. Monica says, um, I cannot put the full blame on them as my dad's father passed away when he was four, so he had no father figure in his home. My grandma never remarried and did the best she could. My mom's parents were not Catholic. She became Catholic when she became pregnant at 15 and married my dad, who was Catholic, in the church. It's a vicious cycle through generations. To make a long story short, Monica writes, I became pregnant and was married in the Catholic Church at 19, but have since gotten that annulled. After returning to the church, I found out in May that my annulment was approved. I have been married to my present husband for 35 years, and we have attended Protestant churches over the years. All right, hold now. Hold on now. Um, <clears throat> I became pregnant. Was You say I became pregnant and was married in the Catholic Church at 19, but that's been annulled. I've been married to my present husband for 35 years, and we have attended Protestant churches over the years. He is not Catholic, but does attend Mass with me. I am praying that he wants to become Catholic, and we can be married in the church. I know he does not have to be Catholic, but I think our marriage would benefit if he did. We have refrained from sexual intimacy. Oh, that's... What, a ma- what kind of a marriage is that? We have refrained from sexual intimacy, but have had three weak moments. In 35 years, we've had three weak moments. These are confusing times we live in, as I feel guilty because of the weak moments. But then I hear of all the evil in the church, and I think I'm not so bad. But I know that's not the way to look at it, Monica. Even though you're saying you know it's not the way to look at it, you're still giving yourself leeway to sin. Don't ever do that. Don't ever compare your life to others who sin. If you're the only one out of a hundred people who doesn't sin, don't say, or you just sin a tiny bit, don't say, but look at them, they're off the charts. No, never do that. Always compare your life to the holiness and love and chastity we are all called to. Otherwise, um, you say, I know that's no way to look at it, but in part, you do look at it that way. Monica says, I don't want to live in sin. As I explained below, as soon as we got home, we are going to, as soon as we get home, we're going to see a priest about getting married in the church. Um, okay, that's good, but I, I, since you, I pray you, you have gone to confession for the times you were weak um, and did commit grave, grave sin. Um, but you need 
truly, Monica, to return to the church. If you return to the church, if you're going to get married in the church, if your husband does not, and I'm guessing he's a baptized Protestant, if he does not agree to become Catholic and you're married in the church, he must agree to your living and raising the children Catholic. Otherwise, you're not married in the church. He must agree to let you have the freedom to, you you must not miss Mass on a Sunday. Going to a Protestant church will not suffice. Can you go to a Protestant church? Yes, you may not receive the communion. Yes, you can go, but you must miss Sunday Mass. Um, Sometimes, Monica says, I feel I could improve my relationship with the Lord if I was alone. Does that make sense? Of course it makes sense. That's why we are not to be, Paul writes to the Corinthians, unequally yoked. It's very difficult when your husband does not share your faith, um, uh, your specific Catholic faith, to, to be strong. Monica says, I carry so much guilt for the sins I've committed in the past, even though I've confessed them and truly believe God has forgiven me through the blood of Jesus. I have scars that haunt me. I have such remorse for not returning to the church years ago and raising my children with Catholic values. Now I have a son that does not believe and a daughter who it's hard to talk to about anything. I know I am wasting my time holding on to all of this. It's keeping me from growing closer to the Lord, which I'm sure makes Satan happy. You're very right on that. Um, uh, We're we're getting near the end of your email, Monica, but I'm just going to stop there to say, find a good and a holy, faithful, orthodox priest, no matter where you have to go to find that priest. Um... And ask him if you can do a general confession. He'll help you through it. That's a confession of your whole life, of all your sins, going back over everything. And let God absolve you through that priest and be free of this. And don't live with this cloud. Monica says, we have been on a four-month RV trip since April. We have had problems with different Catholic churches on the road, not letting us in without wearing a mask which I refused to do. At one church, I went early to pray the rosary and was kneeling in prayer when an usher interrupted me, telling me to put a mask on or leave. How can this be happening in God's house? The fact is it is, Monica. We have to just deal with it. I think it's evil, um, but we have to deal. I don't think it's medically helpful. I think it's medically destruction, destructive, and it's been approved, um, proved to be medically harmful. But it's happening. The Satan, this, the, the smoke of Satan has entered the church. This, these are evil times, so it's happening in God's house. We have to face it. It's so confusing. Should I comply and put a mask on or just go without going to mass until we return home next month? Um, that's a choice you make. That's a choice you make. If I had to put a mask on in order to attend mass... Um, or not be able to, I would put the mask on. We don't wear masks here, and we're not asked to wear a mask in our church. Some do of their own free choice, but we're not asked to, and we don't wear masks. 
But if we were on a trip and the only Catholic church on the road that we could get to on Sunday required the mask, I would put that on. There's nothing immoral about that. To wear a mask one day uh, for a couple of hours is, is not going to be harmful. So I would, I would personally put the mask on. I wouldn't comply with the COVID vaccine, but I would put the mask on. Um, Monica says, thank you again, Mother, for answering the Lord's call. Peace and grace, Monica. Monica, there's the, um, the um, music uh, for our last break. It'll be our last segment when we come back. Anyone is still welcome to call in with any, anything on their heart. But Monica, f- when you get home, find a holy, orthodox, I mean orthodox Catholic priest, uncompromising who will hear the confession of your life and lead you through it and be free with God and let him guide you. And maybe he'll become your spiritual director. Um, Don't live this way anymore. God would not have you live as a Catholic this way anymore. He would have you be free and to be holy and to live the faith in full. Um, We'll be right back, beloved. station of the cross we proudly bring the truths of the catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices and we're grateful for the feedback we've received i'm a widower parent of three almost adults and listen to you guys around the clock father mctig society of jesus he's wonderful mother miriam of course the divine office and many other great things that station of the cross does so thanks very much for your great work I had a friend at work email me and tell me about the Station of the Cross a couple months after it started. And I was so excited, I tuned into it, and I found that I love the Catholic Station. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112. Then share your testimonial with us. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We've got uh, 10 minutes 
uh, together. And you're again, our lines are wide open. You're welcome to call in. There's still time. Toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We have a um, a comment from Mary Ellen from Chicago uh, that she put on Facebook, and she said, "Today is my birthday." Happy birthday to you, Mary Ellen. Happy birthday to you. Everybody say a prayer for Mary Ellen on her birthday. She said, please send me a blessing. I listen to you every morning. God bless Mary Ellen from Chicago. Well, Mary Ellen, I will um, uh, send you the best blessing that I know. It is the blessing. It's the ironic blessing. That is the blessing that uh, Aaron, the high priest of Israel, uh, put upon the people, uh, and it's in, De- in Numbers, Book of Numbers, chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. The Lord bless you and keep you, dear one. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now, you've given me um, the opportunity to um, do a tiny bit of teaching on this. A priest can say, I bless you, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A lay person, and I'm a religious, but compared to the priesthood, I'm still a lay person. Um, Only a priest can do that. A deacon can as well. Nobody else, no lay person, can bless someone else. You can bless your children when they go to bed at night by making the sign of the cross on their forehead. You can do that. You can bless husband and wife one another, but you can't send a blessing by doing this and it reaching you. You can't do that unless you're a priest. So um, I see many people at, at Holy Mass, so-called Eucharistic ministers. There is no such thing. There's the extraordinary minister of the Eucharist for extraordinary purposes. It's just been terribly abused. However, I see them for people that come up with their hands crossed doing that as the priest does. You cannot do that. That is um, irreverent. It is, uh, uh, it's not the faith. And no lay person has a right to do that. It's not effective anyway. And so we're teaching people the wrong thing. We're making them believe that they're blessed when they are not. Um, not if they're not blessed from the priest. So, um, Mary Ellen, I send you that blessing, the ironic blessing, um, and um, wish you all the best on this birthday and many, 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 many more. We have an email from Joanne who says, Dear Mother, I am a nurse who has been mandated to take the COVID vaccine. I occasionally try to watch your show on YouTube, and I think you stated that if you take the vaccine, you are condemning yourself. Is that right? If this is right, please explain this, as I am going to seek a religious exemption. Thank you in anticipation for your help in this matter. God bless your work, Joanne. I may have said that. I don't recall making such a statement. You are condemning yourself. I don't recall that. Um, If you take a vaccine that you know is either manufactured with or tested with um, aborted baby parts and cells, then you are committing an immoral act and a very serious sin. 
um, uh, again, I know uh, even the Holy Father and others have said it's moral because you're helping others not to get the disease, but it is never moral to kill a child that I may live. Um, and if you say, but look who said that, the Holy Father and bishops, I know that. They are not infallible. The Holy Father is not infallible. The only time that the gift of infallibility of the Holy Father uh, is invoked is when he is teaching a matter of faith or doctrines that is binding on the faithful. Nothing this Holy Father has said uh, since the beginning of his pontificate has been binding on the faithful. None of it. Not one of it. He'd have to say so. He has not. Um, he has said a number of things but uh, that are, sound a little scary because they're close to that, but nothing. No thing he has taught is binding on us. And so we are not obligated to follow, especially if it's sinful. We must not do that. And so um, if I commit a mortal sin, uh, if a sin is mortal, it's mortal, whether somebody says it's not or not. Um, if if uh, a bishop or someone says you can take this particular vaccine because um, the the um, because it's remote, uh, the, 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 the aborted fetal cells that it's using uh, were years ago, and uh, this is now, you didn't have a part in the murder of those children. I have a part if I receive life because of that baby's murder. I have a part in it, no matter how much time has passed. So um, if I take it, am I condemning myself? Um, in my word, in my heart, I am, if I have full knowledge. Uh, and the only way a sin can be mortal is if you have full knowledge, that it is mortal, that is, that it's a grave. It's not mortal apart from three uh, factors. It must be grave, very, very serious. You must know that. You must have full knowledge and know that it would be grave. And you must be of sound mind, free to choose, not drugged and all of that with a gun held up against you. So um, if those three factors are in place, then you are committing mortal sin. And when we commit mortal sin, we condemn ourselves. So um, uh, please go seek a religious exemption. You may do that. But there's also, if you, if you uh, do an internet search on why refuse the vaccine, you're going to get all kinds of medical reasons as well, not just religious. Uh, it's experimental. Thousands of people have died from it. They've been maimed. They've had heart attacks. Uh, their brains have been swollen. They've been handicapped for life. Thousands of reports of all of that. And, and you could say, I, I'm not about to say yes to a vaccine that is killing people and maiming them for life. That is experimental. No, that's never happened in the history. No, it has to be approved. Um, and it has not been approved. So um, it's still experimental. So that's what I would say, Joanne. Um, I, would, I would quit my job before I would take that vaccine. Uh, any vaccine, any COVID vaccine. So that's where I'm at. Um, you need to make your own decision on that. Um, let me see now. We have another email from Trang. 
We're coming near the end of the program, dear Trang. I'm not sure if we'll, how much time we'll have for this, but we'll get started. Trang writes, Hello, Mother Miriam. I have a job offer at a school organization. However, <clears throat> after looking more into the activities of the school on their website, I found a photo of the young children at a rally on the street with LGBT-supporting LGBT panels and drawings. I feel sad for the children and think they are poisoned with this kind of activity. You're very right. If I work for them, will I be considered aligned with their point of view? Absolutely, yes. Absolutely, yes. It's one thing if you're already employed and you've got to support your family and make a decision what to do, but to join them when this is blatant and clear, you will be aligning yourself with their point of view. You could say, I don't believe it, but by going to work for them, you are supporting them. And yes, it is against our Catholic faith. Mother, can you please give me some explanation about this so I can make a decision on this job offer? Thank you, Trang. Trang, that's our closing music. The answer is do not take the job. Do not take the job. You are, you could say, I don't believe it, but you're letting them pay you uh, a salary based on their evil deeds. I don't think you want any part of it. Beloved, be faithful. Don't compromise. God will protect you. God bless you and we'll speak with you tomorrow.